You're listening to the Gateway Franklin Church Podcast. To learn more about Gateway Franklin Church, including our service times here in Franklin, Tennessee, visit us online at gatewayfranklin.com. And now, here is this week's message. I don't know. uh, I like to know backgrounds to songs. I like knowing context from what they were written. Stay with me, Jason. And I, I don't know this one, but what struck me at the end of the service um, at the nine o'clock was this passage out of Isaiah. Isaiah 6 reads, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, with two they were flying, and they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the threshold shook and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. And then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am. Send me. There isn't, there isn't a way I don't, I don't, I'm not capable of trying to flesh out that scene more than what Isaiah had. What I can tell you that is when you're in the presence of God, there, there can be this sense of, man, I don't, I don't deserve to be here. Like, like there is so much of me that can't, doesn't fit in this scene. Pastor Chris kind of led us a little in that when he talked about repentance, right? That if there, there's areas in our life, if there's areas in our life that we've cordoned off, that that in its of itself has eliminated the possibility of God being in those places, right? So you say, I want more of God. Well, we need we need to have more space for God. But in those moments where where He brings that cleansing, that the, the, the theological term would be the sanctification here in this moment. And then Isaiah is in the presence of all what's going on, and he hears this other, who shall, I'll go. <laughs> Send me. I mean, he, God wasn't recruiting here in the sense that he wasn't, he wasn't specifying Isaiah. Isaiah understood the call and made himself available. And we have, in the book of Isaiah, maybe the most consequential prophetic book of the Old Testament. It is quoted, it is, it is the most quoted prophetic book in the New Testament is Isaiah. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. Who will go for us? Lord, send me. You may be aware, you may not, that we established a, we as a congregation established a scholarship um, fund last year specific for helping um, students who felt a full-time call into ministry. And we had made a decision. We brought it before you. It was it has been funded, is being funded. It will need to continually be funded. Um, but these weren't little scholarships. These were, these were annual scholarships of five grand for anybody that was pursuing 
um, full-time ministry. And it's not a competition. It's a come one, come all, right? So if you qualify and this is what you're doing, we're going to find a way to, to help you in some capacity. Here are our three students for this year. And uh, one, at least, is in, is in the room for this service. The first, because it's alphabetical order, Adam, no other reason, okay, bud? Um, this, is, this is Adam Hubble. Um, attending Southeastern University for associate degree in ministerial leadership. And Adam feels the call to become a youth pastor. The apple feels still falling in the Hubble family. She is away, but Christiane Hubble and Christiane will be graduating. Yeah, I guess you, you can't, you can't tell, have Adam tell his sister that you guys clap for him and not her. Um, graduating in May with an Associate of Arts of Ministry Leadership and Worship Leadership. And her next steps is interning with Church of the Highlands. So let me just tell you, Church of the Highlands, Church in Birmingham, I don't know, they have some, it's got a little mission church there. They have about 50 to 60,000 people attend worship service in one of their campuses uh, across who knows where. But Church of the Highlands was the founding church of uh, an association called Association Related Churches. Uh, they plant churches um, all over the place. They've already planted 1,000 churches, and Gateway was number 42, 42. And so Christiane first says, thank you for all that you've done for me. It's been such a blessing to call Gateway my home church. The Hubbles landed with us in the first month, I think, or six months or whatever on Gateway launching. If you've eaten food around here in a group setting, CJ probably has cooked it for you. And then Micah Farron. Uh, Micah is currently studying. <laughs> okay, did I need to say let's hold our applause to all of the graduates have been announced? Uh, Mike is currently studying worship studies from the Robert E. Weber Institute, pretty big deal, to obtain her master's degree in worship studies, and her goal in the future is to be a full-time, in full-time ministry in the context of worship leadership long-term. And we, as a congregation, have made the decision that we want to aid kids who want to pursue full-time ministry. Where else are they going to come from, church? Where else are they going to come from? So, Father, I want to pause and pray over these three kids. Thank you for the call on their life, that they have recognized that call, that they have made themselves available to this call. I pray for the hands that are around them, shaping them for ministry. Lord, that you would continue to anoint those hands, their speech, their character, or as they shape Lord, ours. These are our kids. And I pray, Lord, that you would light their future up like a runway. Lord, not just where they know where to land, but no, they know how to take off. We pray that over them in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let me just say, if at any time you want to contribute to that scholarship, it's an ongoing thing. You can just, you can just um, mark that anywhere. I am done, but you retired, weren't you? Yeah, you wanted to. You want to stop? Um, you know, it's an art. It's an art when these when these guys or girls follow follow you, and um, it makes you listen more when someone's playing behind me. Um, so my introduction is a real introduction. It's not going to feel like an introduction, but it's a real introduction to the message. So don't don't get lost. Okay. Um, many of you know my family, and I are pretty big University of Georgia uh, fans, and. Um, Actually, my wife and my wife, as much as I am, my daughter more than both of us put together. Um, but I do more. Uh, I consider college football a hobby. 
not just entertainment. It's a hobby. So I consume, I consume content around college football. Specifically, I consumed content around the University of Georgia this particular year. And one, one video clip that was shown often during the playoff series was Coach Smart in the locker room saying this. Now, he had said this all year long, but he said this. We aren't practicing to beat somebody. We are practicing to beat everybody. I mean, if, you, if you've played any team sport right now, you're just kind of doing this. You know what I'm saying? I mean, this is, this is something. Um, and it's because the college football media kept obsessing over, um, will you ever beat Alabama? I, I think every coach in the SEC obsesses over that particular thing. Can you beat, can you beat Alabama? But they would bring up other things, like we were 0-7 against Alabama. So how much does that play in your head? Are you ever going to get over the hump? Can you beat your mentor? On and on and on and on. I really appreciate how Kirby handled this. He stayed on script all year long. He said, we will work to get better. That's our goal each and every week. We will work to get better. He says, the past is the past. It's your history. You can't ignore it, but it doesn't have to be your present or your future. I mean, that's good pastoring right there, right? I mean, I, you've heard me say for years, I consider part of my role as being coach, um, and, and it's pastoring is a lot like coaching, and I want to coach you today in renewal um, by leading you in a critical posture of renewal today, and that is living with purpose on purpose. Okay, so I'm going to give you six coaching nuggets today, all right? Coaching nugget number one is a renewed purpose is a critical key to renewal, all right? Because when I say renewal, especially if, if you're a follower of Christ, renewal, we see it kind of as this internal thing. It's an internal thing, a spiritual renewal. Yes, spiritual renewal is an internal thing. But there are external things that we do that also, also bring renewal, all right? And if you've ever wondered, what am I supposed to do? Why am I, why am I here? Which is a universal question of mankind since the beginning of mankind. Why am I here? You know it's important because generally this happens with, I think, everyone. But especially men will ask men. One of the first questions after your name is what? What do you do? right? We, we confuse a lot of time doing with purpose, but doing can be purpose, but we can do with purpose, on purpose, no matter what we do, what we do, where we do it. And when you find yourself in need of renewal, today I'm saying then it may be important to circle back around to purpose because having a renewed purpose is critical piece to renewal. I'm going to read you this prayer out of scripture without a context, without a reference, and I want to see if you recognize, if you could recognize um, where this particular prayer, who prayed it, where they prayed it, okay? It says, in my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths and into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All of your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I've been banished from your sight, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord, my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you in your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I, have, what I have vowed, I will make good. And I believe that's a word right now that need, needs to be ringing in someone's head. What I vowed, I will make 
good, I will say salvation comes from the Lord. So I know we got some Bible geeks in the room. Who, who prayed this prayer? Someone out loud. Jonah prays this prayer. Where does Jonah pray this prayer? He prays the prayer in the belly of a whale. Now, before you think this is a children's story and it's a metaphor for something else, in the New Testament, when Jesus is having a confrontation with the Pharisees, on one particular occasion, they're asking him for a sign to prove to them that he's the Messiah. And his response is, you will have no other sign other than Jonah. Okay? Now, He's not referring to a metaphor. A metaphor was not going to support the existence of him being the Messiah. So as far-fetched as this story sounds, this is, a real, this is a real thing. You might remember the story as the whale was sent as punishment by God to Jonah. Jonah running away from his purpose. But just the opposite is true. Because God sends the whale as a vehicle for renewal. It, it was his aqua uber. <laughs> yes, 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 Mr. Bowell. Yes, it's true. Okay. So how do I know this? V verse 6 says, To the roots of the mountains I sank down the earth beneath barred me and forever, but you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. How does he bring his life up from the pit? The aqua uber. All right, so that's how God saves Jonah. Why did God save Jonah? This, is, this one's, this one's going to seem tricky. Why did God save Jonah? Because Jonah asked. I told you in week one, renewal. R2 equals A2 plus O2. Awareness of the need for renewal. Asking for renewal. Right? Offering ourselves up to Christ in renewal obeying where he sends, asks, whatever, right? So this is the same process. We see it in Jonah. There is an awareness. When he's sinking down, there's awareness that he's empty, okay? Seaweed wrapped around your head is the first indication, right? The first awareness that you are empty. And here comes the ask, and here comes the offer. I will renew my vow to you, okay? I will renew my vow to you. Now, um, and that's what he was saved for, this is a prophet that was running away from his prophetic purpose. And now he's going to be removed, renewed to that prophetic purpose. Here, here is God's response to Jonah's prayer. We find it in chapter 3. It says, then, the, then, okay, then is a sequential word, right? Then is a word of timing. When does then happen? The then happens after the prayer, okay? So, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Say second time. See, this is the word for renewal. Now, this particular case, Jonah was a second time, but for some of us, it's a third time. But here's the coaching nugget. God always meets a prayer of repentance and returning with renewal. Always. Can't find when it doesn't happen. Every repentance, every return will always be met with renewal. Always, 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 always. I, I keep going on the always. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh. Proclaim to the, the message I give you. And this is where he is renewed. Now, my mom would read the story for me um, when I was going, going to bed at night. It was my, my most requested story was Jonah. And at some point in time, she transitioned out of the storybook 
you know, with the, you know, the really thick cardboard pages, and if they had that then, right? But the picture, she, at some point, she transitioned out of that to reading me the story of Jonah, and I know by the sign of 17, now she didn't keep reading to me, you know, I mean, at some point, I started reading it myself, but over the course, over the course of my lifetime, I, I, up to 17, I remember reading that story maybe 100 different times, now, and because it's a great story, especially for boys, right? I mean, you get thrown over by a ship, and a, and a, and a whale eats you, and then three days later, it throws you up on a beach. I mean, this is a great boy story anyway. But the older you get, you start recognizing there's more to this story. And when I was 17, I was wrestling with God's purpose for my life. Now, see if, you can, see if, you can, uh, if this meets your experience. But I was trying to find a way to satisfy God's purposes for my life with my dreams for my life. Maybe you're still there. I was trying to satisfy God's purpose for my life with my dream for my life, all right? And it wasn't working. But when I made God's purposes for my life, the dream for my life, wow, it started working. So here's coaching nugget number three. Contentment is found in surrender, not compromise. Surrender is, contentment is found in surrender, not compromise. And I'll give you a heads up for all the picture takers because I love it. At the end, I'll list all six in a row. If that helps. Yeah, there we go. All right. All right. So let me reach back into a message. It was a couple weeks ago. I get lost. I get, lo- I get lost. Uh, my whole world is, is acclimated to Sundays. And when we miss a Sunday, I, I kind of get messed up. I don't know where it's Sunday it was. But I said that the Jewish understanding or the Hebrew understanding of Satan, the word Satan, would be one who tries to get you off the path, okay? That's a great understanding of who, who, his character, not just kind of what he does, his character. The one who tries to get you off the path, all right? And I said that, that Satan's temptations of Jesus were all attempts to get him off his path, all right? So now let's turn those into universal, universal understanding, not just from Jesus' temptations, but to our life as well, okay? So his first objective... All three of these are interconnected. They're not independent. They're all interconnected, okay? Is to keep you off the presence path. He attempts to keep you away from the fullness of God with the promise that you can fill yourself. You cannot fill yourself, okay? Empty. There are always going to be empty calories, empty promises. They're lie. You can't do it. But if he can get you off the presence path, that's the path he takes you. So if that's the path you're on, you might not even be aware of this, but if that's the path you're on, that is a path away from the presence of God. Okay? Here's a second universal objective um, of, of Satan. To keep you off the personhood path, identity path. He can't stop your legal adoption, right? He cannot stop salvation from happening and taking hold in your life. So he bypasses that when he goes to help... Um, um, undercutting your identity in Christ, okay? So that you can be legally adopted into the family of God, but never even understand what it means to be a son or daughter of God, all right? So he wants to undercut that. He wants you continually to look at what you feel like your value is in the family instead of God, what God says your value is into the family. See, so that's, that's an objective. So he can, if he can keep you out of his presence, if he can keep you out of his identity, that's what he wants. But this is where we find renewal. We find renewal in his presence. We find renewal in our identity in Christ. And the last one is to keep you off your purpose path. Again, connected to presence. He parades living for yourself as fulfillment of the purpose, and it's not. 
If you're old enough, there was a, there's a metaphor of getting the brass ring, right? The, the, the merry-go-round, get the brass ring. Do you know brass, is a, brass, brass has some value, but not like gold, right? I mean, the promises that, that the enemy, what he promises us aren't all trash, okay? If, if it's not tempting, it's not a temptation. Jesus goes through these temptations. This is, there, but he, good, uh, Jim Collins said it in his great um, kind of iconic now leadership book, Good to Great. He says, good is the enemy of great. So it's not that bad is the enemy of great. Sometimes good is the enemy of great, right? So we can, we can receive the things we might have chased after in our own, our own understanding, our own flesh, our own goals, blah, 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 blah. And he'll let you get that if that's going to be far less than what his purpose is for you. Anybody with me? Okay. So this is Jesus' fast sets him up to swat these temptations away like a horse does with its tail flies, right? Horse doesn't look around. He doesn't take measurements. This is not a, there's not an algorithm. I mean, it just doesn't, you know, just, you know, because it's, it's built into, I'm going to get rid of that fly. And another name for Satan is Lord of the, all right. So, so when this, the fast, what it does is it, it is making, it is making room. It's not the only way we make room for God, but it is a way in which we make room for God. We make room for God. We become renewed, renewed in presence and purpose and path, um, identity. And then these other temptations we can swat away like um, a horse and fly. So every word of scripture tells a singular story of renewal. Every word of scripture tells a singular story of renewal in a lot of different ways. Let me give you a heads up. So we're going to do a seven-week series called Roots, Stories of Renewal. It's going to start the first Sunday of February, all right? So um, the, the, the premise of this story is that we're going to take out of the genealogy of Christ, we're going to take seven names out of the genealogy of Christ and demonstrate how those names, how God renewed them and how their renewal leads to our renewal in Christ. Make sense? We're going to go, we're going to just take seven and some of them are obscure, like, like when I get back, my, my two are Rahab and Zerubbabel, okay? And we're going to, in the midst of this, between uh, Pastor Harry preaching and Pastor Ryan preaching, I'm bringing back Jameson, the guy going to Athens. You know, he is the, he studied at the University of Jerusalem, Middle Eastern, blah, blah, blah. So, and then we bring back the Old Testament professor with the long hair, right? So, so I got two Old Testament gurus coming in to talk about Ruth and Tamar. All right? But what you'll find is that your story is embedded in, in these people's story. You're going to find your context, because all of them have different contexts of where they needed renewal and how God renewed them. But God renewed them. And in their collective stories leads us to Christ. All right? So um, clean and unclean is a very important topic in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, anything unclean touched made unclean. Okay, so anything clean that was there, when unclean touched, unclean made clean unclean. And that was important on the Sabbath. If you weren't clean, you could not go into the Sabbath for worship, right? So there was a lot of things to do to become clean if you become unclean. But it was a universal rule. If clean touched unclean or if unclean touched clean, you were unclean. Universal rule. Christ comes. He flips the script. He is clean. And how many times do we find him doing clean stuff with unclean people on the Sabbath? A lot, a lot, a lot, right? It's like, like, why on the Sabbath? Because he was making a point. He was making a point. I'm clean, now you're clean. It doesn't matter who, where you are, who you are, what you've done. You unclean, I touch you, you clean. 
All right, that is the flip of Scripture. So all of Scripture, isn't it great having Javier in the house? All, all of Scripture leads us to being clean, all of it, all right? So the story of Jonah can be told in a lot of different ways. I want to tell it in the frame of renewal. And funny thing happened to a prophet on his way to renew a city is the prophet needed renewal. It's sobering. He gets a call to renew. And when it says that he went to Tarshish, that he boarded a ship to Tarshish, say that three times fast. What it doesn't tell you is the geography. The geography is Tarshish, is in the exact opposite geographic direction to Nib. That's important, isn't it? I would contend that anytime we run away from God's purpose in our life, we might think it's veered off at just a slight vector. It's always in the opposite direction. Why does Jonah run from that purpose? He tells us why. I, I, I'd have to take a whole other time to try to unpack, because I don't understand why, but he tells us why in chapter 3. He says, when God saw what they did, Nineveh repented. So Jonah goes, does his, does his deal, and they repent. And how they turned from their evil ways, it says, God relented and did not bring on them destruction he had threatened. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Somewhere in this prophet, his level of justice was so high that he didn't think Nineveh deserved a second chance. How many times you've watched the news and you get mad at other people for what they do, what they say, what they believe, how they act on it, and, you, and, and, and you're, you're kind of so, you get angry about it. What about someone in our own life that's done something unjust to us and we remove all of ourselves from that person? Now, I'm not saying put yourself in harm's way. You hear me? Here, here are the context of this. But our level of justice doesn't match God's level of graciousness. Jonah was sent for a purpose of renewal. You know what your purpose is? My purpose, we have a universal purpose of renewal. Our giftings, where we are, our arenas, our jobs, our families, all those are context. I like to say they're all arenas. And each of us are in different arenas. But our purpose, always the same. Loving God, loving people, serving God, serving people, all for the purposes of renewal. It might look differently, sound differently, taste differently, apply differently, but that's, that's what it is. But Jonah's level of justice was up here. I mean, look, it said that the city was so wicked that it got the attention of God. How wicked do you have to be in all these cities to get the attention of God? In context. I mean, how many cities are there in the world? Who knows, right? But what if God found Franklin to be so hideous that he was going to destroy it unless it, didn't, unless it repented in 40 days? You go, wait a minute. We're better than Brentwood. You know what I mean? I mean, so, I mean, that, that, would be, that would be kind of the context of what we're talking about. And Jonah's just waiting to see it. But no, he's, oh, God, you want me to go to them? He wasn't saying that because, oh, you want me to go to them? They're so bad. He said, you want me to go to them? They deserve it. They deserve it. And it makes you wonder, does any of our inactivity 
say that. They don't deserve renewal. Coaching nugget number four. Your life has a renewal purpose. Prioritize your purpose because other people are depending on it. All right, so let me keep the coaching narrative going here for a moment. So, so then I'm the head coach of Gateway and our staff or our assistants and our associate coaches. And our role is to clearly lay out Gateway's mission and vision to establish systems and cultural standards to fulfill that mission and vision. And God, even before Gina and my sabbatical, God is renewing this in me. Okay, so 16 years ago, when three families moved here to Franklin to Plant Gateway Church, this man, this is burning in me, burning, okay, what I'm about to share with you, vision mission. Now, what happens on the way to making a vision happen? Well, you have to actually, you know the goal, uh, what I learned about church planting and the goal of your first Sunday, you want your number one goal is on the first Sunday of a church plant? To have a second Sunday. <laughs> right? Or you held a meeting, you didn't plant a church, Right? So, so a lot of things happen. I, I, I explain church planting to pastors as the extreme sport of pastoring, okay? Because you're trying to build a bridge and cross it all at the same time. And most church planters come out of a resource-rich environment. I came out of a resource-rich environment. The church, we had a church of 3,000 in Atlanta. Um, my budget alone was a million bucks, okay? So it's a resource-rich environment. Then you go to a resource-poor environment, like nothing exists. You go from having a reputation to who are you? Gene and I flipped out the first time someone recognized us in a grocery store. We were like, we really live here, right? All right, so, so what happens over time, and it happens, and I, I don't think we're there by no means, but what every organization has to fight, has to fight looking inward at itself, right? And the older an organization gets, the more self-focused it can get, right? The more sometimes it can get off vision and mission, right? Because it's trying to survive. Now, we're, we're April, first Sunday in April, 15-year anniversary of Gateway. And, and I believe God wants to really renew, and our church has changed over the last 18 months. Raise your hand if you've been to, if, if, if you've been to Gateway 18 months or less. Raise your hand. See? And it, was, and it was a higher percentage in our first service. So what's happened over COVID is we've had many people had to transition online. Right? It's, uh, it's disrupted patterns all over the place in all of your life, and it disrupts the pattern the church is changing, so it's important to understand why are we here. So here's the vision statement. Right? So vision, vision, quick lesson, leadership lesson. Vision is what you want to see. These are usually grandiose, big things, what you want to see. Mission is how is the steps or things how you get there. Okay? So vision, to become the most spiritually influential people and place, renewing the world around us through a relationship with Christ to become the most spiritually influential people in place, renewing the world around us through a relationship with Christ. The core conviction that caused me to jump out of a perfectly good airplane was the scripture that says, the fields are whitened to harvest. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send forth workers. What's the point? There's never been anything wrong with the harvest. Church people, we can sit around and point fingers at the harvest. Boy, those bad people. Those are bad ways. Blah, 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 blah. Don't read that. I don't read that anywhere in the New Testament. There's nothing wrong with the harvest. So then, if I can use an old, older church word, evangelism 
which I prefer to see as influence, spiritual influence, is a math problem. There just aren't enough people doing it. Okay? Not enough people. And so the mission statement comes in because there are plenty of people that say, I don't believe I have influence anywhere on anything. And so this is where the mission statement comes in. All right, here's the mission statement. Lead people to fresh starts, great friends, and real purpose in Christ. Now, I state it like that because I haven't met anybody yet that hasn't wanted a do-over or two or five, right? Nobody. I haven't met anybody that ever said, all of them, I got the complete complement of all the relationships I need, and all of them are perfect. Never once. I never once had anybody come to me and say, I just want to be a better friend. So, so fresh starts, great friends, real purpose. And I've so many times, I, I don't know why I'm here. I, I don't know what I'm, what, I'm, what, I'm, what I'm supposed to be doing. I don't know how to, how to do it. And this is living on purpose with purpose. All right, so here's contextually how I put it all together. All right, so that we want to lead people in a fresh relationship with Christ. How many know that the, the culture is not interested in stale anything? Right? So if there's nothing alive in you, you're not going to bring me alive. You're not going to entice me to be alive. None of that's happening. Right? So we have a fresh relationship with Christ being shaped in community. We like the, we like the word. We like the word community. We don't know how to do community very well. Right? We build live, work, play neighborhoods, but we haven't learned to build live, work, play, get along neighborhoods. Right? We love the scripture, iron sharpens iron, until someone starts to sharpen your iron. Right? And then, then, then it, it, friction, heat, pain, right? I'll sharpen your arm all day long. Leave mine alone, right? And so, and so the, the church is this microcosm of how God wants to shape us, shape our relationship with Christ, and lead us into what I consider ground zero of our purpose. Listen, if you know my history, nine years of missions pastor, right? Flying all over the place, helping establish uh, churches in least reached um, people groups around the world, Okay? So no one has to tell me that purpose exists outside of the local church. But now this is my role. And I will tell you that 1288 Lewisburg Pike is ground zero of your purpose. And I say that unashamedly. It is ground zero. This is where it starts, happens, shapes, and does. Okay? And I'll tell you, loving and serving people here, if we can't love and serve the people here, it is very, very difficult to love and, see, love and serve people out there. And there's roles and there's things that we have at church in which makes it possible. Do you know when people return to church? Crisis. Crisis. It can be a small crisis. It can be the crisis. It can wake up one day with kids and go, I don't know what I'm doing. Most of us are parents woke up one day with that first or second child and realized, I don't know what I'm doing. And so you, you might have had some kind of background in church before and go, let's try back there. That's a crisis. All right? So if we're ready as a church for people to come in in crisis, then what we want to do is we want to create an environment in which they go, oh, this is a, this is a safe, I don't want to overuse the word, but this is a safe place. These people actually will get to know me. They eventually will see that they actually like me. Um, they love my kids. You know, when we first started children's ministry um, at the church, and, the, you know, the person running children's ministry, you know, was like really, really goal-oriented. What's my goal? I said, get them to come back again right? Have them leave this place telling their parents they're going to pitch a fit if they don't bring them back there next Sunday. And it was happening. It was happening. And so the only way you get to disciple somebody is if you get them to be around. I get asked, you know, do you have to go to church to be a Christian? Of course not. 
course you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. But you get to go to church. <laughs> and we get to have other people involved in our lives. And we get to have a coach or coaches. We get to coach other people. We get to do this. Some people are independent learners. Do we have independent, any independent learners in here? You, you, independent learners, right? You can read yourself. You, know, you can go to school. You can, do a, you can do a doctoral PhD, and you can do it online. That's you. How many people are not independent learners like that? Right? So, let, yeah, you can put on a podcast and watch the message. You can get everything you want out of you for you, right? Develop you. But where are you developing that in other people? All right? So, 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 so that's, that's part of what we're talking about here. Um, I've completely blown my notes, but don't worry. I will go over our time. So if I'm the coach, if I'm the coach, who's the team? Turn to someone and say, we are. Well, you said it much louder than the 9 o'clock. We must have had more guests than the 9 o'clock, right? Because, look, here's the reality, right? It, some of you are still trying to figure it out. And, and it's so exciting to have you. I mean, I consider, I say it all the time, thank you for taking the risk on us. Walking into a new place is a risk. Absolutely, 100% of the risk. We're all middle schoolers at heart. No offense, middle schoolers, but we're, we're all middle schoolers at heart. We walk in where everybody's looking at me. The fact of the matter is everybody's worrying about everybody else looking at them, right? And so, so, so I get it. And those who watch online, I mean, some of that is a precursor to them coming here or they've just made this place their church online. It's still, it's still a risk, not as much of a risk, but it's still a risk. Um, but, but your purpose is sitting all around you. It's there. They're sitting all around you. I haven't met many people that feel like they're qualified for ministry. In fact, the people that I've met that say they're qualified for ministry always makes me look to see how they're unqualified for ministry. Right? But we all, most people feel like they're disqualified for ministry. Listen, the invigorating thing to me, here's some alliteration for you. The invigorating thing for me about the church God intended that Jesus initiated and the Holy Spirit ignited is that it was established and created for walk-ons. Not five stars. Walk-ons. Look, our past doesn't disqualify us. The church was established as a place to, to qualify the disqualified. For the clean, not saying that I'm clean and you're unclean, but you get my point? It's there to qualify those who feel disqualified. The church, this is so important, I want to read it just like I wrote it. The church was established for real people who have experienced real life and are in the need of real renewal. If, if you are concerned that somehow your past will disqualify you, or if someone found out your past, somehow you would be put out the door, that is not true. We all come with our past, all of us. That big lie the enemy tells, if they really knew who you are, they would reject you. When we fact, we know that God knows us fully. And the impact of his love, the immensity of his love, is the fact that he does know everything about us. You know, dating is designed to hide your flaws. Right? You don't find those out till you get married. We don't date God. It, it, it is an, it's an instant marriage once we say yes. We are joined to him. And, and then he doesn't somehow get surprised by all the stuff that we unpack along the way when we feel like it's safe to unpack. He is waiting, guys, waiting for you to get to that place 
where you're ready to unpack some of that stuff. And when you start unpacking it, he starts healing it. You keep it hidden, can't get healed. Doc, can a, can a wound heal if it's just completely covered all the time without getting any oxygen, right? Until something's uncovered, you have the ability to clean it out. Is being cleaned, is your wounds being cleaned out by God painful? Yes, they are. Because you got to get honest with it. You got to get down in the middle of it. You, you got to let him get down in the middle of it. And I mean, telling you. But you know what hurts worse? It's something scabbing over that isn't healed. Because eventually, if it's going to be healed, that scab has to come off. But what he promises, that healing he promises, more than you could have ever imagined your life to be. More. More than. You know what more than, more than imagine means? It means you can't imagine it. Right? So wherever you would take your mind to, you're not there yet. All right? So your past doesn't disqualify you. Look, your present doesn't disqualify you. Each of us have our own holes where we need wholeness in Christ. We each come, we each come with our own brokenness. So it's not about getting over your past and coming in. It's about getting over your present. Uh, I, there isn't any place for me to, to, to love and serve people here because you, you don't know my present. I don't, I don't need to know your present. God will deal with your present because once you're around more and more people and you're more around the presence of God, that, that you, will, you will become more whole. If, if, you, if you start going to a group, if you start serving in a ministry, if you start coming here more often and you aren't getting whole, that's a problem. And you and I should sit down and talk because somewhere I'm missing it or somebody else is missing it or you're being stubborn. It's one of those things. Seriously. It's one of those things. You're being stubborn or I'm not being effective. Okay? I'm not pro, I'm a, I, heard, I heard someone say, I'm giving you a massage and I'm not, I'm not being a chiropractor. Right? The, the, I, I can massage you or I can realign you. We, we both need both. Right? We both need both. So your present doesn't disqualify you and our perceived value doesn't disqualify us. Many, many people just say, I'm just not valuable. You know, or what I have to bring to the table. And, and you know what that means? That means you're comparing yourself to someone else. That's, that's the only way valuable, I think, comes in the mix. That I don't bring to the table what this person brings to the table, so I'm not valuable. Valuable, discussing value, always seems to be around comparison. Our value is not around comparison. Our value is what did Christ pay for us? And in that case, then all of us are equally valuable. Now, here's where the team analogy breaks down. Because team analogy breaks down because there's only um, one ball or one puck. Right? And so, and so, but you're still working in tandem for whoever has that one ball and that one puck to do what they're supposed to do with that one ball and one puck. But here's where we're called a body. We're called a body of Christ so that we each have different places and roles to play and all of us are equally valuable in Christ's eyes and every role is valuable, okay? And especially if it's the one that you are leaning into for your purpose. Um, and the more of us that can get together and do that and create not just an influential person, spiritually influential, but as a body becoming spiritually influential, that this place is spiritually influential, right? So look, impact and influence are interchangeable, but here's how I differentiate. I make an impact, when I make an impact on someone, I do something to them or for them, right? That's my, my impact, do something to you or for you. Influence is I do something in you, Okay? So, so that's why I use the word spiritual influential. It's really both, right? We want to do two and four, but we want to do in. In is something they can carry. In is something you can hand off, okay? So here's coaching number number five. Purposing together 
maximizes impact, influence, and renewal. Right? We're better together. We're better as a team. The goal of Gateway, the goal of any church, isn't to get bigger. The goal of a church is to become healthy, influential, and grow. It is to grow. We're going to grow. Okay? When you love and serve people, you grow. Does that make sense? When someone can come in and find a place where people love them and serve them and will love them in their past and their present and will move forward to a purpose, good grief. All right. You can, you can, you can realize I'm, I'm, I'm going to land this plane. So I began reading a book called Reappearing Church. And uh, really, the, God used this book to, because on the bottom of like page 30-something or whatever, I wrote, Renewal with a question mark. Like, God, is this, is this what you have for us? Because I was reading it in the fall. So um, he has this quote. It's a pastor in Australia, and he defined renewal this way. Renewal is the refreshment, release, and advancement that individuals, groups, churches, and cultures experience when they are realigned with God's presence. Renewal is the resumption of our God-given purpose to partner with God fully, participating in his plan to flood the world with his presence. And so the words that jumped out at me there, presence jumps out at me, purpose jumps out at me, partnership jumps out at me, participation jumps out of me. All right, so coaching nugget number six, a renewal of purpose comes with a renewed partnership with Christ. He later, he goes on and says, often the biggest blockage to renewal is ourselves. He goes on to say that almost always this renewal will occur in hidden places of obscurity and a period of isolation in which deep roots are grown for influence that is to come and the resilience and perseverance built for resulting challenges. And this is what our fast designed to do. And one of the best things I think he says in there, he says that revival is renewal gone viral. The more that we are renewed and the more our body is renewed, the more other people will be renewed. Could it be if you find yourself crispy, bored, could it be you need a purpose or you need that purpose renewed in you? that you are just going in circles. No real purposeful aim. This can be the place where you begin to right that ship, that you get to be, start being renewed. It's not the only place renewal happens, but it is a place. And listen, with the shift of, of, of new folks coming in, with old folks trans, um, uh, transitioning some to online, so I'm just transitioning. This is a new place over the last 18 months. And I'm not a guy that stands up here. I've never done it in 15 years of Gateway. And I've never said, we need you to do this and we need you to do that because my mom always told me if she had to ask me to do something, she'd rather do it herself. <laughs> and it just is stuck. I'm also not the guy to say the ship's sinking because the ship ain't sinking. It's not. This is a good daggum ship we got here. Okay? But it will be a lot better and we can accommodate and serve more people if you will make a transition to discovering a purpose now here. You know, we've had some of the best ideas of ministry has not come from my desk. 
that's come from somebody else had a good idea. And we even structure a small group system around how we let those new ideas breathe and, and run on their own. I mean, good grief. Last year we had a small group of scuba divers. <laughs> scuba diving was a small group. Say, so what spiritually can happen scuba diving? Like, how does that Bible study run, right? <laughs> But you got to get there, you got to get back, you got to prepare. That wouldn't have come for me. I can't even swim. The idea of strapping weight to me and putting me in water is a very, very bad idea. But the ministry is designed to let those things happen. We, we need people everywhere, if you want to be frank. People discipling kids. I don't know how to disciple a kid. Do, do you know how to enjoy being around a child? Ding, ding, ding. We're not back there trying to teach them the story of Jonah. We're trying to, trying to teach them what it means to be renewed through relationships. I mean, it's not all about just teaching you. You want your kids to know all the, old, all the Old Testament stories. All fine and good, but let's know the God of the Old Testament stories. Okay? That's a big deal. Do you know that people make up their mind, make a form an opinion of a church within the first seven minutes of pulling on property? First seven minutes. Which means I can never be to blame for anybody. <laughs> Not liking. You are. It's your fault. So, so, so you see even how hospitality. Can't you tell when you go over someone's house and they're prepared for you? How does that make you feel? When you show up at someone else's house on invitation and you can tell they have prepared for you. Place is clean. Candles lit. You can smell the dinner going. Isn't that how we want people to feel when they walk in here? Why do you think we put a fireplace in the great room? Because it was a cool idea? No. It is as disarming as anything, any kind of structural feature you could have. You can come to church on that morning, and it's cold, and you walk in, and there's a fire? What? There's a fire in a big stone place? It just yet shouts Grandma's house. Right? We can be just as purposeful with ourselves. So here's what I'm asking you to do. We created a page called Renewal22, right? Gatewayfranklin.com slash Renewal22. On it, we told you we developed a Spotify list. There's, there's books of renewal that we recommend, pastoral staff recommended. We gave uh, tips on fasting, a lot of different things on there. And on the bottom, there was this um, the sheet. Like, if you need prayer, you want to be praying for renewal, then put it out. We'll pray for you renewal. Here's, I want to add a duplicate use of that. You want to be renewed in your purpose. Go on that thing. Write that down. You might know right now where, look, I would, is there a room for me? So-and-so. Right? You can tell. I, I'm not prepared. I wasn't prepared for this. I didn't prepare anybody for it. We don't have special lists for you to go. We're not, I'm going to send you out to join a small group, but that's it. But look, but this is what came to me. That's a vehicle we can use. You might not know where you could serve or how you can serve or what you have to offer or whatever, but if you would go there and put something down, we will be in touch with you and we will figure this out together together. All right, I promised you, and thank you for already putting it up there. That's also telling me that I need to hurry. Here's a recap of the six coaching nuggets. A renewed purpose is a critical key to renewal. God always meets a prayer of repentance or returning with renewal. Always, 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 always. Contentment is found in surrender, not compromise. Number four, your life has a renewal purpose. Prioritize your purpose because other people are depending on it. Purposing together maximizes impact, influence, and renewal. We're better together. We're better together. 
Number six, a renewal of purpose comes with a renewed partnership with Christ. He doesn't give you a purpose or he doesn't give you an arena and then says, y'all go on. It's always a go with. He, he, is, he is there. You know, uh, first time I was in India, we were going to establish, uh, Georgette and Harry were on our, on, our, on our missions board in Atlanta at the time. We were going to help establish a church among the Kulu Pahari people, uh, northern India in the um, Himachal Pradesh, which is a state just below Kashmir where all the fighting goes on between Pakistan and India. And we were going up there, very low caste, and we were going up there to do that. And I was, uh, I don't know how old I was, Annie was uh, a newborn, basically. And um, so I'm walking in the Himalayan mountains going to help plant a church among an unreached people group. And I want you to know I was proud of myself. Man, I was, I was excited. Like, I can't believe this little boy from New Egypt, New Jersey, and I'm up here in the Himalayan mountains. And I promise you, I heard God clear as a bell. And he said, yep, but I was here first. Promise. I promise. It changed, it changed the trajectory of all my leading in, in, in missions. That one statement. And I didn't hear a chastisement of God. I didn't hear a rebuke from God. I heard, yeah, I'm glad you're here too. But bro, look, you ain't here by yourself. And I got here first. So we ready to do this? Because we can do this together. Jonah was God's purpose initiator in Nineveh. A very deep and disturbing place. We are God's renewal initiator. In Franklin, Williamson County, Spring Hill, Columbia, Murfreesboro, Brentwood, Nashville, uh, Cambodia, Athens, Greece. This is our call, folks. And the more we get involved with this, the more we get done. Agreed? So we're going to sing and worship again the song we concluded worship with. And I invite you, listen, some of you may be in the belly of the whale. It, it, it is not a bad place to be. It was a safe place. If he wasn't in the belly of the whale, he was in the bottom of the sea. Being a, being a belly whale is not a bad place. It just depends on what you do with it when you're in the belly of the whale, right? And so ask, ask, and he'll renew. So stand with me. Father, Lord, we sang it with our lips that were available, and we meant it. But Lord, now, even after the context of this message, I pray to meet that, meet that prayer, that ask, I'm available Lord, meet it with direction and allow us to meet, meet you the way Isaiah met you in that moment. Who will go for us? Lord, let us say, send me. Send me. We hope you were encouraged and challenged by today's message. Again, to learn more about Gateway Franklin Church, find us online at gatewayfranklin.com. Thanks for joining us today.